Shut up and sit down. everybody um shit is my mic on i didn't even check i hope it is um i hope you guys are having a great i hope you had a great weekend and um ah. okay <laughs> i was actually i got distracted by pictures of robert Downey jr as one does right that happens to you guys Okay, uh, <laughs> as one does, yes, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> He's so pretty, and he gets prettier every day. It's like the older he gets, the better looking he is. Um. Anyways, <clears throat> we were um we were we've been sprinting all weekend. People have been super productive in the sprints and it's just amazing more than one person i think finished their quantum bang this weekend congratulations you guys um authors of the quantum bang um we have opened up uh uh, the summary and rough draft process so you can um if you want you can go over to your author dashboard and sign in and you can submit your summary for artist claiming um, and you can submit your rough draft for confirmation so that you can get into the art claim um, starting now all the way through March 15. I'm going to put Jilly on the air so she can talk about that if she has anything specific she wants to say. Do you have anything specific you want to say? <laughs> um, well, no, the only thing specifically is that there are two things you have to do. You have to submit the, the summary information, which includes your warnings and your genres, um, in one thing. And that's what we use to create the art claim. And then you submit your rough draft in a separate thing. If you do these two events too far apart, it's going to create a logistical nightmare for us. So please do them fairly close together, please. Please. Like within the same hour or so would be great. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't want to have to keep track of, oh, this person hasn't submitted their rough draft or this person hasn't submitted their summary yet. It's just uh, – it's easier just to check them off together and move on. Artist claiming – I believe it's – is it the 23rd? It's the first Saturday after the 15th. Um, I'm going to have to look. Maybe that's the 21st. It is um art claims begin three twenty three. Okay, so it's it's in the calendar. Hold on, I have to look in the calendar. We got a calendar for this, you guys. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, I need new glasses. Jesus. Next year I'm making a big giant calendar. It's going to take up one month. It's going to take up five pages just so I can read shit. I'm, I'm just saying. Okay. That's May. Yeah, it's just Why am I in May? 
Why am it I is the twenty third. It's the first. It's the first Saturday after the eighteenth. I said. I said it wrong because they're due on the fifteenth, and we would need at least three days to get ready for art claims. But art claims would then have fallen on a Monday, so it's the first Saturday after the eighteenth. So, yeah, that's that's and, where, why it fell where it did. It's, it's and like you'll the get one day matchup mails on the twenty fourth. Yeah, we'll send them out the next day. So. Um, I'm thinking right now it will be about 9 a.m. Pacific time, which would be noon in the East Coast, which I believe is about 5 p.m. in the U.K. That's about 6 a.m. on Sunday in New Zealand. Uh, I can't even <laughs> tell you, know you when that is in Australia. Because I've been doing so much time zone juggling to with the sprints and stuff that I'm, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I remember like Claire is, is three hours behind me, but tomorrow. <laughs> so I go, okay, she's three hours back from me, but not to, not back from me, but tomorrow. It's just somehow easier than trying to, I don't know, add 20 whatever. whatever. It's just crazy. It's crazy cakes. Um, it's all crazy cakes. Yeah, it's it's really hard to find a global time that works. It's not the middle of the night for somebody, so we just do the best we can. <laughs> um, but if you are in an unfriendly time zone, let's just put it that way. If you're in an unfriendly time zone, you can have someone claim for you by proxy, but you need to let us know ahead of time who is claiming for you. Because, or if you need somebody to set you up with someone to claim for you, we can get you know one of the bitches to do it for you because they have accounts. Now, how long will the list be up before the claiming starts? Um, I think I think the plan was to put it up on the 18th. Okay, I don't. Have, actually, I've never have, actually done a big bang, so I'm just I'm just a, I'm I'm a baby. I'm a baby banger. <laughs> that did not work out. That did not work out. Really bad. That is She's not what I meant. She's a newbie banger. There you go. She's a newbie, a newbie banger. banger. Yeah, I'm a newbie banger. Um, that's so much better than what came out of my mouth. Wow. I yeah. had that all day. <laughs> Earlier, I told the people in um, the sprint that um, she had talked about um, the, the top of the hour, the bottom of the hour sprints. And one sprinter said they would be back for the top of the hour. And the person hosting said that she would continue on if there was somebody. She would continue with the next session if there was somebody that gonna, was going to be here for the next sprint. And I responded that I, that I was there for the bottom. <laughs> Freudian, perhaps? I'm always, I'm always there for the bottom. So, Yeah. I got so tickled I couldn't even write. Yeah, um <laughs> that was hysterical. Um hmm. Yeah, so so yeah, so we usually they give at least two days for people to kind of peruse the list and consider what it is that they want to do. But I don't I mean, I don't really know um I don't have a feel yet for how many people are gonna submit for the art claims. Um, I have a hunch that we're probably going to get a bunch of people that are going to go into like a secondary round of like um, 
we'll call it emergency art in May, uh, which is fine. I'd rather people write their stories and we, we photo jet the fuck out of shit to get you guys some mood boards than um, have you not, than have you drop out prematurely. Because uh, we have had quite a few people drop out to, I don't know, like spare me or something. I, I think people are trying to be very considerate of me and Kira, and so they're dropping out proactively. It, 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 it's not any more or less effort no matter when you drop out. The only time that I would ever be concerned about somebody dropping out is if we had gone through the art claims and then they decided that they, you know, the artist had already made your art and then you decided to drop out. I would find that a little vexing. But otherwise, yeah, that would be kind would, of vexing. You know, but you yeah. guys keep plugging to the damn day. Seriously. Keep plugging to the last moment. Yeah, you've got till May 28th. May, think about that, May 28th. We, and we will commit to get you art as long as you submit by May 1st. And if you submit by May 15th, I'm still going to do my damn best to get you art. So um, dropping out as an, as an author proactively, when, you know, whatever. If it, if it, there have been a couple people who have just had a lot of shit going on, and it just makes them feel better to not have this commitment. And you need to take care of you. That's great. But if you're dropping out early because you think it's easier on us, it doesn't make a difference logistically for me when you drop out. So I would rather, because I want to see people write, I'd rather you stay in as long as you can and try if that's what you want to do and don't worry about it. So that that's my feeling on it. And I've, you know, I've talked to a few people and, and, about staying in who thought about drawing, dropping out and, and they've agreed to give it a shot to try to stay in a little bit longer. I'm not trying to persuade anybody. I'm just presenting people with their options that they don't need to drop out proactively if they don't feel like it's in, in their best interest. Um, so, yeah. Um, so that's what's going on. And I, like I said, I don't have a good feel yet for how many people, I think we have 10 or 15 people, 15 people or so done. Like, done, done. They're, they finished their rough draft. Um, and I don't know how many people are going to be submitting between now and then. The Quantum um, Bay um, artist sign-ups close on February 28th. Um, rough Trade sign-up is open through the 15th, but that's just for writers. If you want to do rough trade art, you can go to the writers table and let the art the authors that are com- that are going to be participating know you're available to do art. Um, that would be great. Um, yeah, I don't actually know how. I don't know actually how many art artists we have for Quantum Bang. I, I didn't keep up with that. Um, I I have I have about I want to say. Five that I haven't sent their information to them yet that were kind okay. of like towards the tail of the signups, but that puts us at about 37. So it's a fair number of artists, um, and we may almost be like a one-to-one thing at this rate. I mean, we did have uh, well over 100 authors signed up, but we've had about 20 dropouts so far. So, um, and and like I said, I don't know how many people will cross the finish line for the for the for the art claims. So. And the, that initial art claims is to give people, as the artists, as much time as possible to um, to come up with, to read the story and come up with what they want to, 
what, what they're inspired to do. That's why there's a kind of a difference between the art you would get for the art claims and what we'd be able to do for people maybe later where we have less time. I do know we have some artists who are not digital artists. They're going to be doing, like, drawings for people. So, Just crazy cakes um, as well. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I also like to say that if you are currently writing for the Quantum Bang and the deadline's stressing you out and you're worried you're going to miss it, just go up to the 15th, and if you feel like, okay, I can't do it, then just slow down, let us know, continue writing, and then next year when it comes around again, you'll be ready to go. <laughs> That's right. Because we'll have you'll sign be... up for the next Quantum Bang in August. <laughs> yeah. You don't actually ever have to drop out. <laughs> Truly. It's because if you don't submit your, your, your story on the 28th of May, that's when I'm going to assume you've dropped out. <laughs> like, well, the story's not here. <laughs> then we'll just stick you in so, that spot for next year. So don't worry. Yeah, just, it, just, we'll just calm down. Just, we're not the just assholes right. had, that your mom warned you about. We're, we're a different kind. <laughs> Honestly, I want to see people like write more than I on AO3. Yeah, I'm a whole different kind of asshole, but I'm not an asshole about people's writing. So I want to see people write. Um, Sybil does wonderful drawings. Love you love art, them, Sybil. But it's it's like crazy cakes that you're, and my stick figures limbs are never the same size, even when I use a ruler. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like well, I thought they were going to be parallel, but I guess they're not. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's great that we're getting a variety of mediums. People who have different skill sets with art are are signing up. So there's a lot of a lot of different experience, but that's why we do the initial art claim so early is so that the people who are ready at that time, their artists, they have the maximum amount of time with their artists to get um, a, a piece of, you know, an, an art that, you know, that the artist felt very inspired by your story. So um, that's Yeah, I would never kick them. a kitten, but I would kick a person's ass for kicking a kitten. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, I, I know Karen and I both book. want we both want everybody to write not worry about deadlines so if you go all the way to the 28th and you're not done you have really got a really good head start for next year <laughs> <laughs> just just relax you got next year down yeah, just, <laughs> but we, we have had time to edit people. that shit and get a beta and just you know just relax you could even write a sequel to it and submit it and the sequel next year. So, because um, you can do two. Right. Um, but Which I totally I do forgot that... about until it was it was really too late for me to start another one because I would have totally done a sequel to mine if I had remembered that I could do two. And it was just but gone from my to... brain. If, but second submissions aren't don't have to be until May. As long as you get if that was the rule, if you do two, you have to get one of them in by March fifteenth. But the other one could come anytime. So you, you can't do two story. and submit. Lady Holder, you huh? read my story. Do you think that I could plot and write and beta and edit a sequel to what I wrote by May? Well, you could plot it and write it. I don't know if it could get edited. Got <laughs> 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 rough trade in there. Right, because rough trade. Are you sitting out rough trade? I am not sitting out rough trade. 
I've already there got my go. shit spotty. I got art. <laughs> now, I could write it. I could plot it and write it. But I don't have time to edit and beta it. I don't. Um, because the sequel to that is easily as long as the first one. And the first one was 116K. I thought it was 135. Is it really? That's what I thought. But what the fuck do I know? Maybe it was well, 116. You should currently have it on your web on your um, computer open to be. Um, I have I have a, I have I have one of the files open, but it's in three files because it's big. Hold on. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have the whole thing in one big file. Hold on. See, she has to get the workout because I've got it in three files, and you have to wait a for Word to load and b for it to finish counting up the word count. It'll just be a hot mess. We don't want that. It's one hundred and ten thousand. So it's one hundred and ten. Oh, one hundred and ten. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but still, I mean, double that. That's that's a lot. That's a lot because you'd have to finish your writing before April, and let then let your let it sit, and then start your right. edit in May. That's a really tight. That's a tight timeline. Um, if I anyway. had crossed my if it had crossed my mind in January or even like the middle of December, I probably would have got went ahead and started. Um, but uh, I also have some plans from original works, um, and so it's just not in the cards right now. But I just, I totally forgot that you could do two. It just totally slipped my brain. Yeah. I Lady Hulk did my beta for my merman story. I'm going to send it off next um, on Monday um, to see what to see what goes with my merman story. I, I I'm sure that that they're going to love it. I'm sure it will be fine. Um, it's not quite what they asked for for that line, but that's okay. <laughs> I have a hard um, time writing erotica without you know without some some romance in it. I mean, you'll notice that my plot what plots are very few and far between. Now, I enjoy writing a whole lot of sex, um, obviously, but I also like. Uh, my characters to kind of emotionally invest in each other, and that's not really something that you do in erotica. Um, it depends on the length. I uh, my uh, my on top title, which was like three uh, k, took a week, um, but my novel took um, about four or five weeks, I think. Yeah, it's not, and it's not even just a straight, like, if you can edit 3K in, let's say, let's say you could edit 3K in two hours. It doesn't mean that it, it, 30K can be edited in um, 20 hours. It's not like that at all. <laughs> There's a whole process, you know. and you're also waiting yeah. in line for your editor because um, you're not the only author in the pipeline, so to speak, and it's like, um, so, but yeah, I mean... The editing process is very smooth at Cobblestone. I've, I've not encountered any problems so far with my two projects, and um, I never felt rushed. The editor tells me, "Okay, I need this back by this date." It's always in a, it was always at a very reasonable date. I mean, because if you can't turn around digital edits in seven days, you got a problem. Because I did edits on paper with fucking Post-it notes in two days. 
you can do digital. And that was on a novel, by the way. It got sent to me with fucking post-it notes on it. And I had never, I had um, published exclusively digitally before that. And except for that whole penthouse letters things. And they never asked me to edit shit. They did their own editing. Anyways, um, so the time I got into actual pro publishing, I was publishing with independent publishers a lot online. Um, and then I got into a traditional print house, and they sent me paper edits. I had no idea what to do with them. I called my agent, and I was like, they, they sent me my edits. I don't know what to do with them. And she says, what do you mean? I said, they're on paper. I said, there's squiggly marks all over it, and there's post-it notes, dude. There's post-it notes. Yes, I called my agent, dude. And she started laughing, and she says, oh, my God. Okay, you need to go to the bookstore, copy of the Chicago Style Manual. I said, I have got a copy of the Chicago Style Manual. Thank you. (laughs) She said, well, you need to open it up, and there's a section in there that will show you what editing marks look like. I was like, really? (laughs) So I found it, and then I spent two hellacious days translating those hieroglyphics that they assured me were writing editing marks and answering post-it <laughs> notes. And it was a, it was a hundred k. It was oh, it was a hundred and fifteen k. So if I could do a hundred and fifteen k edits on paper with fucking post-it notes, there is no reason why anybody can't edit digitally in a week. Yeah, I agree. I, I, but you know, I, I do know that there have there have been a couple cases like I've run into where people wait till like the last minute to work on their edits, like they know it's due like on Saturday and they wait till Saturday morning to to do it, and then they have problems and they're like, oh my god, I'm not gonna get this done today because I I, I don't know how to, you know, they, they're not even aware that there's like a section they need to rewrite. <laughs> they freak the fuck out. Like um, procrastination is not your friend in this particular instance. I love post-it notes. It was just startling to get them from what I considered a very professional publishing house. I didn't realize how far behind traditional publishing houses were when it came to their editing process. I really had no clue. But I should have because my contract stipulated that I had to send them my fucking manuscript on a disc. The last one was a USB drive. I had I was like, can't I just email it to you? Are you serious? What do you mean I have to send it to you on a disc? Well at least I'm not I didn't send you an S D card in the mail. Are you ridiculous? At least I didn't make you send in a, a printed copy. I had to send in a printed copy. Oh, yeah. Oh, good God. That's a print, terrible. A printed copy and a CD. A CD. Now, they used to ask for a floppy, but they don't ask for a floppy anymore because I doubt they even have a machine that would read a floppy. But they still do. And, yeah, they'll make you send a paper copy. Although the last time I had to do one, I called my agent. I said, do I really have to send these buttholes a copy of my manuscript in the mail? And she said, would you... Just send it to me. Just just email it to me and I'll handle it. I thought, great, thanks. Because <laughs> I already had that email ready. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the the 
they edited the copy I sent them, then sent it back to me. Yeah, that that is exactly what happened. Assholes. Anyways, that wasn't the subject of that of this podcast, but you know that's what happens. Um, but no, I mean we, we no. take we take conversational left turns sometimes. You can still buy floppy disks. The three point five yeah, anyway. It's still the you probably can from somewhere get the five and a quarter. Yeah. Let's see. You definitely can get the three and a half. I'm looking to see if you can get the five and a quarters from anybody. 1.44 megabytes. That just trips me out. Yes, you can. Still get the big floppy things. The, the actual, when they were really floppy. I, um... But yeah, no, you know, even as as backwards as as it was, um, as it is to publish, um, with print houses, it's better now. Um, I uh, I really I really enjoy the editing process. I I try to approach it um, uh, with as much detachment as I possibly can, uh, because. Um, and I've said it before, and I will say it again, and I will say it every single time this 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 comes up. There is a point when your word baby stops being your word baby and becomes publisher's product. And that is the point when you sign a contract. And you sign a contract to deliver your publisher a product that they can sell, which means you have to meet their standards per their style guide because that's what you agreed to do. And it can be harsh. So you cannot be romantically attached to your words. (laughs) And if you're not prepared for that separation, you need to not submit it. You just... Right. You got to give yourself time to detach if you just can't do it. Now, I've never had a editor be cruel to me. Um, and I have pretty solid scrap, you know, craft skills. Uh, even when I first published, I had pretty solid craft skills. Um, and you grow and learn every day and that's, you know, that's the best part of of working on your craft every day is that you grow and you learn every single day. Um, but uh, nothing is perfect and everybody needs editing. And they're going to tell you something that, you know, is like they won't be cruel about it, but it's something that maybe you really like. They're going, no, this, don't, this doesn't work actually. So you're going to have to fix this. You're going to have to change this and you're going to have to do it. <laughs> Just let it go. <laughs> I worked I worked in a hotel um a long time ago that still used digital tapes for backup. Um Authors who don't let go or refuse or refuse to make edits, um, they're actually called not published, or not published or, twice, <laughs> or they're called self-published. 
because yeah. I know a um, a writer in particular who refused to do her edits, um, and the publisher canceled her contract. So don't think that just because you signed a contract with a publisher, <laughs> no, it wasn't Lady Holder. I would spank Lady Holder's ass. I would, I would, I would hop on a plane. She, <laughs> she, this, this, this author, and I know her personally. Um, got angry, didn't want to do the edits that she was assigned. Um, pitched a big fit, and told the publisher that she was not going to do. Uh, what they wanted her to do with the novel, and the publisher sent her a letter canceling her contract. She was stunned. What did she think was going to happen? I said, honestly, you're lucky they didn't give you um, an advance. Or you'd be fucked. You'd be paying it back. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm not trying to scare you on the editing process, because the editing process is really smooth if you go into it with an open mind and then you acknowledge that your word baby is no longer a baby, that it's a product, and that you need to treat it like one. And you need to acknowledge that your words weren't written in gold and um, you don't know everything. And the editor has been put, the editor who's been put in charge of your book has a standard they must meet for the publisher. And it's not personal. Mm-hmm. Now that's hard, that's really hard to get because writing is very personal, but editing is not. It can't be. But but I will say, from my experience, is when an author is really cooperative, but they dig in their heels on one thing. Most editors are going to work with them. They're going to yeah. be like, okay, you you're doing your best here. So this is really important. But the thing is, the problem is some authors, everything is that important. They don't want to change anything. And then the editor just can't take you seriously because you're not willing to bend anywhere. I mean, you're willing to accept comma change, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, so, yeah. But, I mean, I find the more that authors are willing to cooperate and try to do their best to – make the changes that are asked, um, the more an editor or a publisher is willing to really listen when they say, look, this is really important to me that this thing, one thing not be changed or that these two things not be changed. You know, unless it, unless it just completely violates the, the publisher style guide, they're usually going to work with you on it. The editor of The Philosopher's Stone wanted to remove the troll scene. Seriously? That's what... That's the glue of the freaking golden trio. The glue of their friendship. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really <laughs> weird thing. That's that's a really weird thing. Of all the things they could zero in on to cut, I mean, it really surprised me that's it. Because so much came to a head around the, the, the trio's friendship with that. I thought, I thought it was really plot pivotal. 
I'm trying to think of a scene that I would have cut from Philosopher's Stone, and having mm. not seen most of the movie or any of the movies thereafter, um, maybe the robe shop scene. Yeah, since I'll he say, meets I'll Draco on the train. Yeah, it has so to they be have some of the stuff meetings, a little basically. earlier. But the first book is the tightest. So, you know, in retrospect, if there was one book we could add scenes to to flesh out the world building, it would have been great if it would have been in the first book. Um, yeah, I'm really wondering what else was cut from the book now, if that was something the editor wanted to cut. What else did they cut? We should get it like a author's edition. <laughs> like a yeah, what, what was originally in this book? Can we have some <laughs> the outtakes? It would be great. Thank you. <laughs> we need deleted scenes. Um. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, you know, it is what it is, the editing process. And um, sometimes it's painful, I have, but just, you just suck it up. But also sometimes editors make make suggestions during editing that have sparked ideas um, that really that really flushed out my work and and made it better. Um, so if you open yourself up to the process and acknowledge that you're dealing with somebody who does this professionally and to take their their advice um, with an open mind, it can be really awesome. Of um, flushing out work and um, getting ideas. This podcast is supposed to be about inspiration, um, and I had at I went to this morning. I was in the mood to make. Um, I was on Photojet because obviously that's one of my things. Photojetting. I was on Photojet. It's her new fandom. It's my new fandom, um, and I uh, I made uh, this moon board, and I didn't know what to do with it. So I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Because because it really didn't fit my my I didn't use the the uh the template I do for Thursday vignettes, so it really wasn't a fit for that. And I thought I could save it for April, but I have an idea for April's Drabble and then I thought, you know what? I'm gonna do a disc a Discord um exclusive uh prompt. And so I have a gallery on the Just Right server for all my little visual prompts, and I put it up there, and it's cool. There is a free version of PhotoJet, but I will admit that I do have a subscription because I, I limits bother me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't like I don't like seeing that little crown and knowing I can't access something. Like right? fuck that. I don't like being told no. Fuck that shit. I I don't do well with that. Um. But I'll show you guys my prompts. Um, and but it's uh, it doesn't have any rules. There are no rules attached to the Sunday prompt, so it so it doesn't have rough trade space on the server. This is um, just something to prompt you as a writer, and you, of course you can share it on your own site or whatever if you write something for it. But um, this actually, the the one picture in um of the two men on the couch kissing 
inspired me to start an original story today, um, of which I wrote during the um, writing sprint. Hold on, and I shall tell you how much I wrote during the writing sprints for this particular new story. Um, 2,600 words. So, and that was over a very course of like nice. four sprints. 2,698 words. Over about four sprints. Um, so I've introduced my characters and... Um, they're going to get it on, you know, it'll be great. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I just wanted to um, experiment with it today. And I thought, well, I'll just do this, um, this thing for Discord um, with no rules. Because the other prompts all have like word limits. One's a drabble and the other ones are short fix between 500 and 2,000 words, depending on. And then, of course, the word prompts also have word limits. So I thought to do a Discord um, with no um, limits would be really cool. So you I do did. you, man. I did me. I I worked on prompts yesterday, and it was interesting because I haven't worked on a prompt in a long time. I worked on a prompt one night when I was really, the last time I worked on a prompt was when I wrote Perishable, which is when I was just really tired, and I was like, I needed something to kind of reset my brain. I think that was during NaNo, wasn't it? I think mm-hmm. that was during NaNo. Maybe. I was supposed to be working on something else. Let me just say, I was supposed to be working on something else. And I was like, i got to reset my brain. I'm going to go find a prompt. And uh, I'm not super – I usually don't do well visual prompts. So I do tend to do what Kira has suggested in the past, which is you kind of come up with words or, you know, kind of come up with a list of things that the, that the pictures say to you and then see what in there um, you find inspired. And I actually had a mind to write something else completely. And when I sat down at the keyboard, uh, the idea just kind of popped into my head. And I went, this seems so far removed from the prompt, but, you know, whatever. This is where I went. Um, That's the point. Yesterday. It's supposed to inspire you. supposed to be inspiring. So yesterday, I I finished my, my Quantum Bang, and I finished editing Stick Around, and um, – and I was like, well, what am I? I want to write. I want to sit down and do some writing, and I, I don't know what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do. So um, I thought, well, I'll start with. I had I have several things in process that I could work on, but I wanted to like write right then, not prepare to write. And anything I could have worked on, I would have needed to back up and read for a little while and kind of get back in the groove of what I've been doing. And I wanted to like write. I'm gonna write right now. <laughs> Sometimes that's just the way it is. I'm gonna write now. And the first prompt I picked, um, my inspir- I decided I was going to write something Harry Potter. And um, that was a bad idea because I have been very off Harry Potter lately. Um, I, I can't, re- can't read it. I, I just can't. Um, I keep, I've tried, and it just doesn't work. And, um, and I thought, well, maybe I can write it. Turns out, no. <laughs> I still wrote 400 words. But I felt miserable, and I was like, "This is not. This is being miserable is not what I wanted to do." So I, um, I, I put that aside, and I went to get a different prompt. And the next prompt I got picked up was the, the Steve McGarrett prompt um, with the helicopter and the guy jumping out of the helicopter. And the, well, it may not be Steve McGarrett, but it's definitely Alex O'Loughlin in that picture. Um, 
And my my rhythm on the prompts was very weird, but I kind of knew immediately exactly what I wanted to write for that one. And I didn't even have to stop and make a list of words and stuff. I just went – because, I mean, that's pretty straightforward, Steve McGarrett, right? <laughs> what else is there? Um, I didn't have to ponder that really hard. And so I wrote that, and then I thought, well, if I'm going to do a Steve McGarrett prompt, I'm going to go do a Tony Genoza prompt prompt um, because he was earlier the same month, two weeks prior. And um, I was looking at the picture and I was like, what am I going to do? Because, I mean, that's a little bit, uh, sometimes just a person's a little bit vague if you don't like come up with something else to go with it. And I was looking at the picture and I thought, I know this picture. What is that from? And it popped into my head that that image was from Truth or Consequences, which is the first episode in season seven, um, which is the episode where they rescue Ziva from, from Somalia. And that became as much a part of the inspiration for when the dust settles is as the actual picture itself. Um, because that's kind of, you kind of wander down a merry path when you're working, when you're looking for inspiration. And that's what I did. And I wrote those, both of those yesterday afternoon in a fairly short period of time, and then I edited them and posted them last night. You mean this one? Which one? Yeah, that one. And then also this one. Yeah, those are the two that I picked um, that I actually completed completed because I did look at others um, like I said that picture of Tony is from Truth or Consequences and um, so like I said that because I was thinking about where had I where the, what episode that picture was from that I, I love that picture the, that plot line that came up here's the original picture that I used when I did that Now, I did do for the Tony prompt. I did do the Tony. Tony's in the Steve prompt, but the 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 Tony prompt, which was from January third, um, is um, that's Jen. That was I did. The, I didn't do any pairing in that one. Um, and I realize this picture is. Pr- my guess is that that picture is probably like Hawaii or New Zealand or something. But I decided it was Half Moon Bay. <laughs> so. Because it I is can. actually Hawaii because I was thinking mothership when I made it, and I actually made that one for your Facebook birthday. Oh, that's so I sweet. posted it as put happy birthday on it, Jilly. But you were out of you were you were you were elsewhere. I was sick as a dog. <laughs> you were sick as a dog. I didn't want to bring it up because I don't want to talk about sickness. <laughs> Yeah, Bad so I, I'm really glad I, I but, you know, I, I figured eventually I had to do the um, Tony and the Steve prompt, but I was just, the, the Steve, the Tony prompt went a little bit different direction than I would have probably, if I sat down to write a prompt about Tony, but like I said, I was looking at the picture, and it says I recognize the episode that that came from, and like I said, I figured that that was a picture of Hawaii, so I thought, well, it's, 
kind of heading to leaning towards mothership, but I wrote mothership on the Steve prompt. So, um, the thing is about the Thursday prompt is that you don't have to use both pictures. You can, you can just use one or the other, or if there's more than, you know, if there's like on the drabbles, if there's a whole bunch of different pictures, I like to theme those, but you don't have to use all the pictures. It's just supposed to be inspiring. So don't feel like you're tethered to the images. Um, and if you want to use the images that I've created on your work, like to put on your site to show your readers what your prompt was, you are you can you can download them and put them on your shit. But do not hot link to my site because all the images that I'm hosting on Rough Trade, I'm hosting personally. And if you hot link me, I'll kick your ass. I'm just saying, <laughs> I will digitally hot kick your ass. Hot. By the way, hot linking, folks, means that you display the image on your site, but you're linking. You're not actually you're not actually putting it on your site. You're linking. You're you're, you're pulling the link from her site, but you're displaying the Which image. Which is also so that every, bandwidth theft. It's yeah, bandwidth so every theft. time your page loads, it hits her server. It's not the same thing as like you know linking to Rough Trade. It every time someone loads your page, it hits her server for bandwidth, which is what hot linking is. Um, now, in both both of these, I felt like I was able to use, basically use both images, but I did kind of take liberties with them, which I felt fine with because, like, I wanted to do the kind of the implied um, rescue helicopter thing, but I did it at night instead of during the day. Um, obviously, Steve was in a wetsuit and not in, in jeans in the story that I wrote. Um, so, and like I'm not I had mad. A that was, yeah. I, love I had a hunch book. that that was. <laughs> I had a hunch that that was Hawaii, but um, I decided because I had just finished writing them in Hawaii together that I would make that one of my favorite places in the world, which is Half Moon Bay. Yeah, that's hot yes. thinking. And yeah. don't, but don't use my URL to do that because that's stealing my bandwidth, and my bandwidth costs quite enough already. Thank you. <laughs> now, I have there, – there are people that I have made art for, that I've made art for, and I do host the images on my site for them to put wherever they want so that they don't have to have a photo service for that. But that is specifically for people that I've made art for that nobody else should be linking besides them for starters and nobody should be linking art to my site who isn't um, you can yeah. set up a personal WordPress and use um their media your media spot on your on your WordPress to host images. And it, you can yeah. get direct URLs to use and it's um a much better opportunity um than say uh, Imager or anything else that might be or Photo Bucket that isn't free anymore. Um, so definitely set, set up your own WordPress and you can upload all your images to your WordPress and not have to worry about it. Yeah, and you if you're if you're judicious about the size of the images you put up there, if you're careful with it, they they give you plenty of space to put a lot of images. Now some people they are do. not very image savvy, and if you're downloading a bunch of multi megabyte files. Is not going to last you very long, so just be careful. 
Pay attention um, to your size, your image size. And you also, you don't want to put a giant image on your page anyway because it will make your page load so slow. <laughs> like yeah, you don't want to put a giant like some people put a giant image there and then they have it display at a lower resolution. That, that's the same problem. All that, it's still, the image is still loading. So um, you need to actually size your images appropriately when you put them on your website. We had somebody one time on Rough Trade up with a 50 megabyte image. And they well, were they tried. putting it at, and they, well, they, no, they did. And this is before we put, had limits on what they could upload. Oh yeah. Right. And that's why we have limits. <laughs> It's because of that person. And, like, we would they, – they'd put their image on their page, and it would, like, break the whole page. It was, like, because the, the page couldn't render with that image on it. It was, like, oh, my God. It was so And we would terrible. take it down. We took it down, sent them an email, said, you need to upload a smaller version. They upload the exact same thing. <laughs> like, over and oh, over it. and over again. It was a nightmare. Um, so now – Remember that every – yeah, now you have to you got limits. But remember that they kept uploading every time they would post a chapter, they'd re-upload the file. And we're like, why are there so many copies of this enormous image? <laughs> I'm going to put that link you just gave us in the resources link in the just right area. Thank you. Of, That's very helpful. The server it was awesome. Thank you. Um, Super appreciated. Um, but, yeah, definitely watch your image size. And by that, we don't mean – oh, obviously, you don't want to put a 1,000 by 1,000 image up on your website. But that's not what we mean. We're talking about the actual file size um, because that's what has play when it comes to um, the rendering of your website and the space. Yeah. Well, then you should take your cute little butt over to the Just Right server and get on the resources um, tag and, and link us up some shit, if some stuff we might need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a whole channel for that <laughs> called resource links. People got you got to share your fun stuff with us. <laughs> I put PhotoJet over there. <laughs> Just in case no one knows about it. <laughs> just, just in case. Just in case. I regret nothing. It makes me happy. You should do the things that make you happy as long as they don't get you put in jail because there's no internet in jail. And most of us don't look good in orange. And I say most because I, I met a woman who looked fabulous in orange. I'm not saying she should have gone to prison, but, you know. Well, she, she might good. actually should have gone to prison just for looking good in orange because that's a, that has to be a crime. Are you yeah, inspired by words, phrases, or images? I am actually most inspired by music. I find music very inspiring, too. I, I would agree with that. But next to that um, would probably be images for me. I like photo prompts a lot because I can put my own words to photo prompts. 
I I tend to it it depends on the photo. Um, sometimes, um, if I look at a photo and I just get something very straightforward from it, I can find that as inspiring as a word. But a lot of photos, there's just too much going on for me to get like one or two things from it. And I so I tend to prefer, personally prefer word prompts. So. But that's just me. Everybody has their own their own thing. Um, now, music, I find music very inspiring. I normally write to music. Um, I have different playlists for different fandoms. Um, my husband, to the point where if, if I'm listening to a certain thing, my husband knows what I'm writing. Hence that whole... Josh Groban meltdown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Because when I'm listening to Josh Groban, I'm writing McKay Shepard. (laughs) I would say about half. Guaranteed. I think about half the stories I've written, I've had musical inspiration involved. Um, but, But not all. Not all. Definitely not all. Um, I have all of his music. I don't. I have all I have of a his fair album. amount of it. <clears throat> I um next after music and I think um and pictures um I like thematic uh prompts that allow for expansion of ideas and but my, and also I find other writers very fucking inspiring. Yeah. I I like thematic prompts. Um I don't tend to the more words you put into a prompt, the less it, it's almost like it, with every word added, it it's like some huge percentage of inspiration that I lose. Um it's rare that like like the longer a phrase gets, the less inspiring I find it. Um I don't, I'm sure I can even really adequately explain that, but it's just kind of like um, that's just getting. It just gets to the point where it's too specific, and unless well, thank it just you, Dark, I appreciate gel that. My creative, yeah, she is very inspiring. Um, unless it happens to gel with my creative process, um, um, the the phrase prompts usually just leave me cold. I prefer question prompts versus phrase prompts. Ask me a question. Yeah, I agree. Totally ask, ask you a me question? a question. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that that that's you know that's more inspiring to me than saying um, there's a guy in the woods. Yeah, but ask me why he's in the woods. Yeah, like you know. <laughs> Why was Rodney in the in the woods and where are his shoes? Um, well, he left his shoes. It is my headcanon that that the Abrams verse Jim Kirk is is at least what is, is at least one third Betazoid. I it, it is I am never getting rid of that. It is a permanent part of my headcanon. The Chris Pine version of Kirk 
is is benzoids. Is this what it is? At least a third. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you on there. You you definitely incepted me in, in that regard. I'm not a fan of start your story with a sentence either. I don't want anybody to give me any sentences. Fuck you and your sentences. I don't need your sentences. I have my own sentences. Um, but ask me a question, and th- that that's where my, my my brain starts going. And that could be my grandmother's fault because sometimes, like, I was very um, was a high maintenance child, and if she wanted me to sit sit somewhere, she would ask me a question and make me tell a story around the question to keep my mind occupied and and. I wouldn't be doing some crazy ass shit out of her view, you know. So, um she would sit me in a kitchen chair uh when she was doing something and she would ask me a question and then I would have to tell her a story. And the more outlandish the story was, the more she would laugh. And so I would tell her these ridiculous stories, you know. So, but I find questions to be very, very inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, music as I find that, I find that almost more of a prompt. Um, like a full-on prompt as opposed to um, the question like... Um, the questions I usually ask myself are more like the what if questions as opposed to like a full on prompt type question. Let's say the bell icon. (laughs) Click the bell. Or like I do, I mute my whole computer. (laughs) Well, I'm not in a position to mute my whole computer because then I wouldn't be able to hear you. Um, but yes, I do have most of the channels on, on um, Discord muted. Um, now, I do tend to ask myself simple questions, and I often don't put a character in it until I, I, I let my idea form with the character. I don't add a character always to it, unless I'm doing something specific for a fandom. Um, like when we had the the, the Harry Potter challenge in April, I had a specific question and it involved um, Harry Potter. But sometimes you just ask yourself, what if my character goes back in time? And then you say, okay, which character am I sending back in time? Um, and you could pick out different characters and see what you would do with that. What if Daniel Jackson goes back in time? What if... Um, Harry Potter goes back in time. What if Hermione Granger goes back in time? What if Minerva McGonagall goes back in time? So I think if you lock yourself into the question, when you put the the, the the character in the question the first time, you're kind of locking yourself up. But if you allow yourself to answer that question for several different characters, it can be a lot more inspiring. And you might go in a direction you never expected that you would. Unless, I mean, unless you're, a lot of times I ask questions that are very specific to a character. Like, I wouldn't be asking right. them about anybody else. So, like, what happened if Tony got hurt during Dead Air? I, I can't ask that question about anybody else. Um, 
Well, that's not necessarily true. Because what if Ziva and Tim got hurt during dead air and Tony didn't know because they turned the radio off and they couldn't contact him to let him know that, that they were in trouble? Well, it'd be a very short story because it'd be like they brought that shit on themselves. themselves. But I <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can flip it. Now, I honestly, if we're going to do a dead air, it would definitely be, you know, what are the consequences to Tony for their fucked up decision? And then what are their consequences for what happened to Tony because of their fucked up decision? Right. But, you know, we all have our special unicorn characters in, in different fandoms. Um, and, you know, Tony would definitely be mine in CIS. Um, Harry, uh, Hermione was probably closer to my unicorn than I thought um, in Harry Potter. Um, Steve McGarrett is definitely um, my, my choice in Hawaii Five-O. Uh, McKay in Stargate. Um Thorin, Oakenshield, and The Hobbit. I, just, I didn't even know that. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah Bil- Bilbo's totally my unicorn. It, it's not Thorin. It's definitely Bilbo. <laughs> uh, and I think, and I would, I think, my gut is that my 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 unicorn in in Stargate is John. Um, it kind of surprises me a little bit, but um. I write a lot from John's point of view because John and I have something in common. We both love Rodney. Rodney. Yeah, I was going to say, I know exactly what you got in common. You got Rodney. Um, I think it's because I I have read stories that kind of, you know, I don't, I, can't, I don't even know how to kind of explain this, but I've read stories that were kind of like edging on McKay bashing, and I didn't like it, but it didn't make me incensed. I read a, like a story that was bashing John. I've lost my mind. I had the hardest time not sending the author hate mail. I didn't, but... It, it um, infuriated me. I couldn't read it either. I couldn't read bashing for either one of them. MCU, Tony Stark. Tony Stark is most oh, yeah. definitely 100% my, my unicorn well, in MCU. Tony's my, Tony's my, Tony's my, um, in, in terms of the characters I would want to write about, but my overall fictional character unicorn is Bruce Banner. So, I, I but I, I don't, but that's just because I just, I don't know. I've always had this thing for, you know, Bruce. So it's, um, we were talking about that. He's not me, my husband, Bruce yeah. Banner, the whole Banner thing. And I said, you know, I love the character of Bruce Banner, but because of when I grew up, my Hulk is always going to be David Banner. And, um, it's, you know, it's like a childhood thing, you know? And, but yeah. I love Bruce Banner. Yeah. Um, now I, I I'm love, able to conflate the two, so yeah. Um, I'm not. I I have. I I'm, it's like I'm doubly hit because I don't have a problem like making them almost be the same in my head. Um, mm. But it becomes a really big issue when he's not treated well because he's not like the the sto- character I'm I'm going to write a bunch of stories about, but he's like the character I don't want anybody messing with. So. Um, I think the character of really, Bruce actually made Thor Ragnarok. I mean, oh yeah, that was such a brilliant move I, to put him in that. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was. He's running around Tony's clothes. 
tell them you got to stop wearing your pants so tight. Right. <laughs> you got the sunglasses and shit. <laughs> yeah, it's um, but it's it's just it's a funny thing. It's like from a writer from from, from if, as a terms of what I'm going to write about, um, and even read. I like reading more like Tony focused stories, but. I just have this thing about, and it goes back to, it goes back, it does go back to David Denner. Um, is is definitely the origins of it. It's like don't fuck with Bruce, which is why I just got yeah. so incensed at the, at the whole franchise for for what they did to him. Over um, and over and over again, it's just it's just terrible. Um, but yeah, I I remember having the biggest crush on the actor who played David Banner when I was when I was young, and I watched *The Incredible Hulk* every time it was on TV, and I was so sad when it was canceled. I was like, oh, <laughs> my world was over. <laughs> How could this be? I'm not. I can't you know, deal with I this. I really identified with David Banner because. Um, and I don't talk about this often, but I, when I was very young, I had an immense problem with my temper. Um, even into my twenties, it was, it was, I honestly would probably still have it if I wasn't taking the maximum dosage of Lexapro every single day. Uh, I, and so, uh, I would often get in trouble for losing my temper on somebody, not to the point of violence, but I have a vicious mouth and I always have, and I would. I would make adults cry when I was little, pointing out their flaws when they, when they would piss me off. And then I would plot terrible revenge against them if I got in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to get Kira in trouble. She'll fuck you up. <laughs> A snake in your bag would be the least of your worries. Um, but uh, never poisonous ones. I you know, just scare, not maim or murder. Um, but uh, no, I mean, so I really identified with David Banner having that big green monster <laughs> that he turned into because people used to piss me off. They still do. People still piss me off a whole lot. But Lexapro allows me to just let it go. <laughs> yeah, or at least bitch yeah. about it on social media. <clears throat> been keeping me out of jail. I think I think that the reason why I didn't ever pick up to write about more about Bruce, although Bruce, I think Bruce is in every MCU story I've written in some fashion. I do write by Bruce in every story, but the reason why I didn't pick up to 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 write about is I just well, I'm a romance writer, and there's nobody that really gels for me to write Bruce with in the MCU. Um, I like him with Tony, why? but that's not science, science bros. It's, it's kind of um, – I like him with Darcy. Uh, he's so internal, and she's so external. It's, it's just like it's it's great. Uh, that pair didn't really gel for me, but um, I could see why it might for others. It just doesn't quite resonate for me. Certainly not in a way that I would want to write it. Um, 
Yeah, he's a hard one for me to pair up. Um, but I think, honestly, Thor Ragnarok gave us a great opportunity to pair Bruce and Thor. That's that's an interesting idea. They had great chemistry together. Um, they they played really the actors chemistry. played really well off each other. Their lifespans are comparable. That is very true. I hadn't considered that. I was talking to somebody one day who talked about maybe trying to put Loki and Bruce together, and I was like, oh, no. Uh, that that feels weird to me because, I mean, if one thing came out of Thor Ragnarok was that um, Loki had some very definite trauma there. <laughs> yeah, he... he- uh, honestly, um, Bruce might learn to tolerate Loki, but I don't think Hulk ever will. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And moreover, I don't think that Loki could ever trust Bruce because Hulk is always there. And they've already had an extreme amount of violence between them. Um, Well, they were essentially not matched. I mean, Thor kind of held his own with the Hulk. Loki has no ability to do that. No, not at all. Not at all. But, you know, it's one of those things, it's like sometimes like a pairing will really resonate for somebody and not resonate for somebody else. And, like, it's just I've never stumbled on a – I've read a couple Tony Bruce stories um, that that I enjoyed, but it's not like I would say that in terms of when I was reading, I, I didn't go, okay, this is great chemistry. Um, it was good writing, and and so it was therefore, and and they and the person you know wrote the pairing plausibly, but it didn't just you know, it didn't like sizzle, you know what I mean? So it was like no, it's okay, it's okay. There are worse things that could have happened <laughs> than this. Um, yeah, it's just funny how that sometimes that kind of stuff just plays out. One thing, one cup, one pair I could never see would be um, Loki and Clint. Never. No, no, no. To me, that just seems because it doesn't. Even if even if they're both victims, it doesn't change the fact that um, even if they're both victims, um, it doesn't change the fact that one is a victim of the other. So I I was writing working on something recently where like Noah was trying to talk to Styles and 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 talk to him about you know Peter and Styles was being kind of a little bit intractable about it. He says you know I'm not saying that you and you the you, you kids who who've had a hard time with Peter need to be hanging out with him, but he, he's as much a victim of the Argents as Scott is. Now I'm not saying that you know 
we can we can we can take care of Scott and recognize that he's a victim of Peters and still recognize that both of them fundamentally are victims of the Argents. They both are, and it's a kind of the same kind of thing, which is like they both are in really shitty circumstances, but it doesn't change the fact that Peter's still the one who who bit Scott without his permission. So, um, it's just it's a, it's one of those things. It's just it's it, it would just it just would push my limits in a in a not in a good in a not good way to to try to pair up Clint and Loki. I just I couldn't do it. I think that the only way you can do it is if Clint and Loki meet during the first Thor movie. Yeah, and and they're in the same basic space. I mean, you could do that, so that that could work. Um, but it, once once the Avengers happens, I feel like that it's. I feel like you you've lost the opportunity to make that to make that pairing happen. But you know, people people that that's just my opinion. People are gonna go with. Um, there's there's many a pairing out there that I just don't see, but there's many a fan of those pairings. So we don't all have to like I, the same thing. I think uh, a Steve Bucky Bruce thing going on is a little terrible because Bruce has enough on his plate. He doesn't need their baggage too. And that's why it's hard to pair him with anybody in the MCU because he already has an immense amount of baggage, right? And Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem fair (laughs) to to give him all of Bucky and Steve or Steve's problems or Tony's daddy issues. You know, it's just like, really, Bruce sees somebody that doesn't really have any issues um, and is just living their best life who can teach him how to live their best life together, which is why I think Darcy's perfect. (laughs) She doesn't have any of that emotional baggage to work out. You know, she's never died and been resurrected. You know, she doesn't appear to have any daddy issues or mommy issues. Her biggest failing is that she majored in political science and ended up the intern of a scientist. Okay, sweetheart. (laughs) I hope you had a great summer. (laughs) Um, yeah, see, I actually kind of go to the opposite direction with that, is that their, that their life trauma is so diametrically different. They're so polar opposites in that regard. I don't feel like it gives them a frame of um, reference to, to, to relate to each other. Um, not that I particularly, but you know, on the other hand, this, this is where it comes in. Is I, this is why I can't find anyone in the MCU is because you can't have too much trauma in one space. It just winds up being one angst fest. Um, I do like yeah, Betty. I, I, I wish we would see Betty in the MCU. Um, I like Jennifer Connelly's Be- Betty of of the Bettys. I didn't like any of the Bettys. Of, of the movie Bettys. I didn't like any of them. I'd have to recast. There would be recasting a, a going on because I didn't like any of the movie Bettys. I thought the second Betty was too young. Um, they did um, 
Liv Tyler, she's too young. She was too young for the Betty. Because um, Betty's supposed to be Bruce's contemporary. Um, yeah. But Jennifer Connelly didn't come across to me as his contemporary either. I think she was closer in age to Eric Bana. Yeah, for 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 that movie, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Edward Norton's um eight years older than Liv Tyler. Which so. isn't actually as much as I thought it probably was. But still I think she's too young. Uh she was she's gonna look younger than she is probably for the rest of her life and good for her, but she she looked way too young. Um it's just my personal thing. Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely, if I were to write um, bet, a Betty, Betty into a story, I definitely have to recast with somebody who is um, closer to Mark, Mark Ruffalo's age or the age he seemingly was in. Um, just to be a grown ass woman, just to look, to look yeah. like an adult. Um, it would just have to be. That would just be that. I'm not dissing Liv Tyler. She's beautiful. And I know she's an adult, but she looks so incredibly young in that movie that next to Ed Norton, she makes Ed Norton look like a pedophile because she looks so young. <laughs> and I'm not saying Ed Norton is a pedophile. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying she looked so fucking young that it was ridiculous. So Mark Rivolo is he's 51 now. Um... Um, so uh, you could, I think you could go anywhere between six and eight years younger based upon where, depending upon, it may be even 10 years younger, depending upon where you're placing it in the MCU. Um, so an actress around 40 to 45, if she's a, 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 especially if she's professional contemporary, which she was. Yeah. Betty and Bruce met in college. Yeah. So you'd have to that that would be about the age range that I'd be looking around. Some of them are around forty, if I were to recast, and and that would be um, a way, you know, for me who always wants to see Bruce taken care of, you know, in in a story to to handle that would be to recast Betty and and bring in someone who looks a little bit older, who looks a little bit more. Um, like she could actually have gone to college with him and stand but, her but, ground with the Hulk. Yeah, but the issue the issue still becomes you then have to then work out the age the life expectancy issues, um, which is why I hadn't considered the Thor thing before. But Thor lives through a lot by the time you get done with Thor Ragnarok, so um, I have a hard time letting canon happen up to that point. <laughs> but um, it's a really good idea. Uh, that if I were to to do something in that time period, that that would be an interesting pairing to explore because Thor grows up a lot by the time that movie is over. Mm-hmm. Thor's actually had a really great character arc across um, the Thor movies and in the Avengers and all that. He's had a really awesome um, expansion as a character. A lot of the characters, it's not as easy to see their growth. I think Tony Stark is probably the second one I would say that has a really great obvious arc where he went mm-hmm. from one place to another with a distinct um, change. But Thor is the other one. And Thor just went through a beautiful transition from this arrogant um, 
quite selfish prince to to a man who could who would be king, and so it yeah you know it's awesome. I did the thing about Tony Stark's arc is I did find it a little bit more so than Thor's. Um, Tony, as much as I like Tony's arc, there were times when I just have to kind of like ignore certain things because it feels like it doesn't make sense. Um, it felt a little schizophrenic in places, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially like when you look at like what they did with him in terms of like going into putting him in Spider-Man Homecoming and stuff. It's just like, uh, uh, and some of the stuff that happened in Civil War, it's like, I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. So, um, didn't happen. Yeah. But didn't conversely, happen. but if I were to pick, you know, I would also, if I were to kind of erase a movie, I would erase, you know, just from the fact I didn't enjoy it that much, I would kind of just eliminate Thor of the Dark World from my memory banks. Um, I think that um, I would probably not have a romance between Thor and and Jane. I it seems juvenile. Yeah, it feels very um, high school. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they don't really have a future together. So, and just... also, they don't. The actor and the actress didn't have a lot of chemistry. Oh, they had no, not a lot. They had none. I don't. I don't. I think Natalie just did not want to do that movie. By the time it got to the point where she was to do it, and it was just like there was just no chemistry. I don't. I'm trying to actually picture a movie that I've seen her in where she actually had chemistry with an actor. Um. Well, you're not going to get any help from me on that front. <laughs> Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, she she doesn't um she does better I, I don't I she does better in roles where she's not playing a romantic lead because I I've never I agree with you, I've never never seen her in a role where I thought she had good chemistry with, with a with a leading um it, it just it just did never work. Mm-mm. I can't I can't think of a single one. No, I can't either. I've not seen Black Swan. How was her chemistry with Mila? <laughs> I barked up the wrong tree there. <laughs> I hate Black Swan, so I'm a terrible, terrible person to ask that question of. So, um, <laughs> I, I blocked black blocked that movie out hot, uh, hard. So, she, she was in Lolita. She wasn't in Lolita. I'm feeling deeply disturbed right now. I'm I'm going to the Well, I mean, she was in that movie with wasn't she the one in the professional that felt so pervy? She was the one in the professional, but I don't think she was in Lolita. Now I have to look it up. She was not in Lolita. The, the Jeremy Irons version, right? That would be um, Dominique Swain. 
was Lolita. You know, honestly, I'd like to see Betty cast as a woman of color. I wouldn't be mad at that. We never see her mother, so her mother could be anyone. Dominic Swain was in. She's coming up in a lot of shit. Let's see. The Fast and the Fierce. Borderline Snuff movie. I mean, what else would you call Arkansas Women's Prison Massacre? Um... Well, she's working her ass off, but she was on JAG. She was on a season that she was on an episode of JAG. Now, we can't reduce yeah, she's Wonder lo- Woman as a minor character. Um, Lena Hetty would be nice. I like Lena, Lena Hetty, um, but I think Gina Torres would be awesome. Yeah, she'd be a good choice. Gabrielle Union. Well, but she doesn't solve the looking old enough problem for me. She may be old enough, but she doesn't solve the looking old enough problem. I don't know. I mean, you know, come beautiful. She's beautiful, <laughs> but if I'm if, if if my criteria for recasting away from Liv Tyler is that it's somebody's got to look older, I wouldn't go with someone who looks the same age or younger. Because Gabrielle Union is she's like timeless to me. She's she's not aging at all. This is from 2019. <laughs> what? She's not aging. I'm telling you, she's not aging. No, she's not. <laughs> Forget that. She she's she's just she's just gonna stay the same age. Wait, you could go with Gina Torres for somebody who looked like that the conceivably could be in her forties, or um, Angela Bassett, or. Um, um, I'm blanking on the other actress's name that I was just thinking of. Ugh. <laughs> My husband says that shit all the time. She's gorgeous what? too. Yeah, she's from Bones. That that, that black don't crack. <laughs> Yeah, the chick that played Cameron on Bones is gorgeous. So she would be she would be an interesting choice as well. Um, 
even a woman of Asian descent would be nice because we don't have any of that in the MCU either. Um, well, the MCU, we we did finally get some really awesome black female actors finally in Black Panther who kicked so much ass. Oh my god! Um, yeah, they were amazing. So they they made that movie. Forget forget the Black Panther. He's fine. Whatever. Okay, where are the girls? <laughs> where are my ladies? They were kicking so much ass. <laughs> Even that rhino took a pause. Like, whoa. <laughs> I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> You're right. Thunderbolt Ross probably did serve in Vietnam. He definitely could have brought home a war bride. Or even North Korea. So, but yeah, it would just be really interesting to to have a, a an, an actress of of color in the role as Betty. I think I think that would be really um, timely. I think I think all the people who snapped are actually in the Soul Stone, and we'll get them all back. Yeah, it's the people who died who were not in part of the snap that are the bigger problem concerns, like like Heimdall and Loki and um, Gamora. Although Gamora is the most likely of that group, I think, to survive um, because she could still be in the Soul Stone because her death was releasing the Soul Stone. Yeah. And also, in in Marvel canon, Gamora is the only character to ever come out of the Soul Stone. It'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to the sequel. Um, if I don't get what I want out of the sequel, I'll be writing MCU fan fiction for the next 10 years. I don't apologize to the Harry Potter fandom in advance for never getting a season two of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond because the MCU broke my heart. <laughs> well, but the thing is, I don't. I, I kind of think it doesn't matter what they do in Endgame that I'm going to be writing fan fiction because I'm so dissatisfied <laughs> with, with what the franchise has done. That yeah. that Endgame could wind up being the best movie in the franchise, and I'm going to feel like I still have lots of shit to fix. So, um, I think pretty much everything after Captain America: Civil, not Captain America, Captain America: Winter Soldier, needs a stern talking to. Well, and Captain America: Winter Soldier, because that's right, when that, I that's lost Steve thing. Rogers. Right. Uh, um. I mean that that that's a really sad place to lose Steve that early in the first series, you know. It's like, um, I don't think that was their intention. Although that movie does give me one of the most satisfying scenes in the MCU. What? He's on the elevator, and all those Shield guys are surrounding him, and he gives them the opportunity to get off. That's true. That is good. That is like he did give you guys a chance. <laughs> Whatever you get at this point, you got coming. If that had been me, I'd have pushed the door open. I'd have been like, "Okay, hold on a minute, wait." <laughs> he tried to help you, Bozo. 
<laughs> I've changed my mind. Some people just can't be helped. But yeah, that is actually the single best scene in that whole movie. <laughs> and one of my favorites for the entire franchise. My favorite scene ever is when um, Bruce Banner is walking towards the space worm. And they're like, um, um, you should get mad. You, don't you think you should kind of like Hulk out? <laughs> and he's like, that's my secret. I'm always angry. And that's like the true, that's like the most amazing thing ever. Because what he's saying is, is it through sheer strength of will, he keeps Hulk contained 99.9% of the time. And he's always absolutely 100% furious. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm mad. I'm always mad. What is your point? <laughs> That's not a problem. <laughs> Keeping him in is is great. It's my favorite scene. It's my favorite moment in the MCU. Yeah, that that I agree. Also, that is that is really stellar. telling because it says so much about Bruce's character that when we see him in Thor Ragnarok, that that the Hulk has been out for so long. Um. Because Bruce stopped trying to keep him down. Yeah, yeah. He, he stopped, yeah. And I blame Natasha for that. She betrayed him. Yeah. I think she completely broke his heart. I mean, the stuff they did to Bruce, it's just like, he's got well, he's got the biggest load of angst of anybody in in the fr- in the franchise, right? Stuff that's gone on with him and his worry about hurting people. And what do they do? They put they put he, he becomes the target of the Scarlet Witch and Black Widow, and it's just like, and they just fuck, um, they just they just fucked him up, and I just it it, it infuriates me. I just can't even deal with it. And Bruce is in an interesting position where he is so he is ill 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 prepared and ill positioned, and almost actually it is more he's ill positioned to be able to protect himself because if he has to really fight, he's going to lose control and somebody's going to get hurt, which is the thing he fears happening. So it's like his his choices are to. Um, kind of take that risk or run away from the people who would try to do bad things to him. It's just so irritating. Trying to catch up on the chat. Yeah, well, 
she started out with potential very briefly. I started disliking her. Her potential was very short as far as I was concerned because I started disliking Natasha's character in Iron Man 2. And that was pretty early in her tenure in the franchise for me to have developed a hate on for her. Um, And it was because of, well, just like literally everything she did, everything. I mean, there's, there's pretty much nothing she did in that movie that didn't piss me off. So, Including um, dosing Tony with a medication that he knew absolutely nothing about against his will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that, that whole, everything about all that just so made me, made me so mad that I'm just like completely irrational about it. So um, she should have been a good character uh, and, and she wasn't. And um <sighs> It could have gone so much differently. It could have. Well, I guess we need to really well, just think it, on the fact that she was introduced as a honey trap. Um, Fury was whoring her out from moment one. So I wasn't surprised was, at all to see her whored out to control the Hulk. But maybe I was misinterpreting what was going on. But I got the impression that she had been in Stark Industries for a while. When she took the position as um, Pepper's assistant, and that bothered me a lot because that's corporate espionage, basically. That that Shield was engaging in. I'm sure that's Which the is least not... of Shield's sins. <laughs> well, but that's the, the, the whole Haji thing. <laughs> Which sort of just because it's not as bad as some of the other things they've done does not mean that it's not right. obnoxious. And um, I just, it just kind of just, ugh. It just, ugh, no. Mm. It really just, I didn't like it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they kind of just kept reinforcing over and over and over and over again that Tony can't trust S.H.I.E.L.D. and that S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to do everything they can to fuck them over and they unfortunately used um, Natasha as their the vehicle by which they did a lot of that which was really unfortunate for her character arc as far as I was concerned since I kind of went into the whole thing a fan of Tony Stark's so um, it was like it was doomed from the get go I mean, I kept wanting, even though I didn't like what they did with her in the first movie, uh, in in Iron Man 2, I kept wanting them to kind of come up with a good plot arc for her and give us a a Black Widow movie and do something good with that. But then, as if I wasn't already annoyed, Winter Soldier came along and I went, oh, 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 there we go. No, there we go. She's completely irredeemable now. We can't take that one back. Did you see what Ellie wrote? <laughs> Atlantis lands on Earth and the AI falls for Jarvis. And she should, because Jarvis is a badass. One of the yes. most horrific moments for me 
in the MCU is the uh, is the death of Jarvis. I I know. I'm I'm not on board. Yeah. I mean, they tried to kind of pull that out in some way, but it didn't really work. Um, at least not for me, it didn't work. Uh, yeah, it just basically nothing worked for me once they. I was kind of trying to suspend my disbelief and go along with it until we got to Winter Soldier, and then I went, I can't even with these idiots. Who writes this stuff? That was the first thing I said. Was who writes this stuff? Were they not paying attention? It's like the MCU is just built around the idea that Tony Stark needs to suffer as much as possible. Or is that just me? It sure does feel that way. No, I'm I'm with you. It, It does feel like they just have to keep throwing crap at him. That actually bothered me a lot, Senna. The, the idea that Tony did not have a backup of Jarvis is absurd. It is. It's ridiculous. That is the dumbest thing ever. How would he not have a backup of Jarvis? Out of everything son. else that Tony has, that he wouldn't have a backup of... That he wouldn't have a fucking server farm dedicated to backing him up? Bullshit. Our suspension of disbelief is challenged, MCU. It is challenged. Because he's actually a fucking genius. So what? What? And not oh. it's not like he's an absent-minded scientist who, who no. you know, forgot to shut down the particle accelerator. He works with technology. And also, why didn't Jarvis have a backup of himself? <laughs> he's no dummy either. Right. Not that we're bitter or anything. I am. I'm bitter as fuck. <laughs> so bitter. If I posted on AO3, all of my work would have the author is bitter tag. <laughs> Salty and bitter. <laughs> I just, I, I really don't buy it at all that uh, that he didn't have a backup of Jarvis. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Even if Jarvis was like or two or three weeks behind and didn't know what happened, he's still, because it's an offline backup or whatever, I just don't believe for a minute that there that there isn't one. That just doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. It makes, it doesn't make any sense at all. And even if he had, even if he was his backup was a couple of, um, like you said, a couple of weeks out of date or whatever, um, it's not like he couldn't get caught up really quickly based upon you know like tower security footage or something. Right. It's not actual rocket science. Tony can do that too. He sure can. And actually, because he can, it makes it even more implausible that he didn't have a fucking backup. So dumb.
I think even if he didn't tell anybody about the backup, he would still activate the backup. We'd have never met Friday if there was a driver's backup. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess the, I mean, I think that they wanted us to believe that that Ultron was so effective that, you know, he went through all the servers and wiped out any, any traces. Um, on the entire planet, even the ones that were not online. Of code. Right. Okay. But, I mean, that's one of, one of the one of the tenets with really secure data is you don't only have it online. With really critical right. data, you don't just rely on online backups. And Tony's not an idiot. So um, the, whole, the, whole, the whole foundational premise of them getting rid of Jarvis relies on Tony being an idiot. So... And Jarvis, but that's actually the premise of a lot of Marvel concepts. You know, like Tony falling for that whole thing about not being a fit for the Avengers when they actually built the fucking Avengers around him. Lord, (sighs) we can't deal with this. It's annoying. Stupid. It is annoying. It's really actually that's not true. It's like you wonder. Do they? Because it makes you want to just get in there and fix it all. <laughs> fix, fix all of it. So it's like you want, it makes you wonder, do they think we're stupid? Now, I could get behind that, that Friday came, that he brought Friday online to help him um, get Jarvis back up and running. I could, yeah, I could get behind that. I read a fic where um, Jarvis put himself back together, um, and he contacts Tony, and Tony's like, Jarvis, where are you? And Jarvis says, I'm everywhere. Oh. And it was like, holy shit, he accidentally created Skynet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was always a risk, right? Um, That was always a risk. I'm everywhere. There is a story, I'm blanking on any other context of this, but that that there is a backup of Jarvis, but that part of the Scarlet Witch's manipulations of Tony's mind means he's forgotten it. There may be more than one, because I think I've read that trope, that, that idea, it's prob- probably bordering on a trope in more than one story, but I just can't think of any other context for that other than that, which is that he's forgotten. And if you want to look at, you know, because that that's a case of somebody trying to reverse, and you can kind of see them trying to reverse engineer why there wouldn't be a backup. It's like, well, okay, well, one thing is he could forget there's this backup. Well, why would somebody like Tony forget that there's a backup? Well, someone's fucked with his mind. Well, who is a good candidate for, for having fucked with his mind? Wanda or Tony, I mean, or Loki. Yeah, those are the but choices Loki pretty much. Loki isn't there and wouldn't give a shit. So that just leaves Wanda, right. and why would Wanda do it? Because it opens up the playing field for her more, and allowing her more influence, because Jarvis is more mature than Friday. Mm-hmm. So any AI that Tony activates after Jarvis wouldn't have the experience that Jarvis has, and she has more ability to influence the Avengers. And also, she full-on hated Tony. So... Um... I mean, her that doesn't go away. She hated Tony. So if she thinks it's going to hurt him to to have Jarvis destroyed, she's going to do that. And so that's pretty much the only motivation she needs is it's going to hurt him. 
But there are, but definitely she has a tactical advantage, like you said, if if Jarvis if Jarvis is out of the picture, because Jarvis was Tony's eyes and ears, and he was capable of a lot more autonomous action than Friday was capable of. Yeah, that would be interesting if that did happen and Friday finds Jarvis. Most of the stories I've run across that focus a lot on Jarvis um, kind of being reconstructed or whatever are works in progress. And a couple of them I decided to, to, to like try um, because I was just very curious about that and seeing it explored. Um, and, I, and it's not that the, the stories I tried were bad. It's just I always regret it when I go down the path of work in progress because sometimes it's, you know, you know, a year or two or three later, <laughs> not, nothing's happening. So I think that's just a case of where I wish I had just rather not explored it. Because um, I'm just not that patient person who can wait happily for a work in progress to be finished for four or five years, which is why I don't read them, because I know this about myself. What if Jarvis traveled in time? How would he do that? I like the idea. What would be the mechanism? Well, we got five minutes to figure one out. No pressure. Um, What's the GDP? I'm showing my age here. Ghost drift um, partner. It's a term uh, term from um, Pacific Rim. Is people who oh, oh. Neuro- neurologically sync. Drift. Okay. Who continue. They continue to drift after they are disconnected. Okay. Um, well, there's the Infinity Stones, of course. Um, Doctor Strange. Well, why would he send Jarvis back? I mean, Strange, I think, is the obvious avenue. I'm just curious. I'm trying to think of a reason for him to do it. Where he pinpoints, does he maybe see Jarvis as having a lot of potential power to do things? Jarvis' only personal motivation is to keep Tony Stark safe. He's not something that can be influenced by the Mind Stone. He can't be physically intimidated. He's not biological. That that's a good um, point too, um, and maybe that's why that kind of time travel has never been available to Strange and his people. But what if, when he was on Titan, and he was doing his little wobbly timey timey thing? What if during that? he encountered something that made him think that the only way that they could fix this is if they fixed Tony Stark. And he needs to fix Tony Stark. And the only person that can be trusted with that is Jarvis. And 
and he lost Jarvis. Jarvis is gone, and he sees how that impacted Tony, so he goes to a point where Jarvis existed, explains to Jarvis what has happened, what will happen, and he sends Jarvis back in time with the time stone. That's kind of convoluted. I need more time to think about that. By the time they're on the planet, Loki is dead. By the time they're on what planet, Loki's dead? Titan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Two minutes left. Or actually, we got a minute and 45 left. Um... It feels like there's something, like some kind of obvious path. It's not quite clicking in my head yet, but I like the idea Me of Thanos being sent back. I like it a lot. There is a, there is a, there's something obvious that I'm missing, but I'm going to think later, what the fuck? <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. Um, I agree. We should definitely have a plot drift on that sub, on that subject. We got, we got, we got 57 seconds left. Let's do a plot drift tomorrow. Are you available tomorrow? Yep. Yep. We'll do it. I'll say that after the podcast goes off. You guys have a great week. And we shall see you later. Say good night, Julie. Good night, everyone. <laughs>